Welcome to Victory GP. We're excited you've joined us, and we hope you're impacted and inspired by today's message. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you. We praise your name. Father, I ask that you anoint these lips of clay. May I speak with boldness and with accuracy everything that you want me to say. Leave nothing undone. Father, I pray that your words will go forth unhindered, unaltered by any demonic force. Bless the ears that hear and prepare the hearts that hear. Transform our lives, transform our thinking, and... Uh, we dedicate this day to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, the topic today that I want to talk about is position for promotion. Now, I've spent most of my life in the workforce. It's only been the last five years that I've been in church. Actually, not quite five that I've been on staff here in the church. Otherwise, I've been in the workforce. And I've realized over my time in the workforce that we've been brainwashed. We've been taught wrong on promotion. That our enemy has done a really good job at infiltrating the church and twisting things. So I believe we have to learn how God's system works. How this operates. Now I want to make very clear God is the author of promotion. We're his children. He likes to promote us. But he has a certain way of doing it. In the world system, if the ungodly in the world system, they fight for everything they have, they put people down, they self-promote. And I realize that God has two systems that he wants to promote us with. But first of all, we need to do some self-examination. It's actually the third thing that we need to understand about God's promotion system. We find this in Romans 12, 2, in the Amplified Version. Not sure if we have it or not. Do not be conformed to this world, this age, fashioned after and adapted to its external, superficial customs. That's a big statement right there. That's huge. I know for me it's very easy to start looking at the world system and see what's going on and think I have to conform to the world system. I'm limited to what the world says. But it says do not be conformed to a superficial customs, but be transformed, changed by the entire renewal of the mind. That's everything that we've been thinking about in the world system. by its new ideas and new attitude, so that you may prove for yourself, don't take my word for it, prove it for yourself, what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God, even the thing which is good and acceptable and perfect, in his sight for you. I love that passage. Be transformed, be renewed, be strengthened which is perfect for in his sight for you, for me, for us. I remember years ago, I mean, I grew up in the church. And you hear these stories, you hear these passages, and they're all good. But how do they apply to my life? How can I make them work? Now, what I'm sharing today, I do on a daily basis. 
I have to. I have to renew my mind. I have to renew, I have to think differently. Expect differently. I've got an enemy that comes at me all the time. I, re I realize that there are two primary thoughts that go through on mind. Romans 8, 15 to 16. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage, again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. I want to look at that one. You've been given the spirit of adoption. If you've been given the spirit of adoption, what's the other spirit? Orphan. An orphan mentality. Well, what's that? I grew up thinking like the world thought. Everything had to be, I had to earn everything. Everything had to be my own. Some of the differences under the influence of orphan spirit, when you run away, from, when you sin, you run away. But in the spirit of adoption, if you sin, you run towards the Father. You know that he's loving. You know he's kind. You know he wants you. An orphan feels loved only because of what he does. The adopted child feels loved because of who his father is and therefore who he is. Okay? Changing your thinking. Changing your attitude. An orphan can only ask for what they believe that they've earned. That one's huge. I've done enough so I can ask God for something. I went to the church five times this week. I'm good. I can ask him for something. No. A child can ask for whatever they want without ever having done anything to earn it or deserve it because of their father. Now, as a grandfather, I can speak into this. And I'm sure every other grandfather is there is the same way. If their grandkids comes up to them and says, Grandfather, I love you. Can I have? The answer is yes. Okay? Just plain yes. You know, it may have been five minutes ago that he was having a little temper tantrum and uh, frustrated the kerjabbers out of me. But he comes up to me and asks me something. The answer is yes. Has he earned it? Absolutely not. But I love him. Okay? And that's where our father is with us. Okay, we may have a little temper tantrum. I, I, I'll be honest with you, I still do. There are things going on that I wish in my own mind they would be different. But he loves me, he corrects me, and taps me on the shoulder and say, dude, no, but we're good. Okay? Now, I will be honest, this one here I have to remind myself on a daily basis, and I do. And I think it's huge for most people. An orphan mentality has to look after themselves. They have to take responsibility to parent themselves. A child is free from caring because their father cares for them. I remember when I was 
my son when he was younger, he never asked me once, Dad, can we afford this? If he wanted something, he just assumed I would provide it for him. My grandson has never asked me once if it's Paul. He just asks for whatever he wants. Okay? He's free from care. They don't have any care. And you're saying, well, yeah, but I'm growing up. Ah. In our eyes, we've grown up. In God's eyes, we're still children. My son is growing up. He's on his own. He has his own job. He lives out, out of town. He's still my child. He's still my son. And I'll be honest with you, if you ask me for something right now, absolutely I'd go do it. I'd help him out the best I can with whatever I had. Um, a few months ago, his mine's 35 outside. He lives in Fairview. His car wouldn't, wouldn't start. He wanted to come to Grand Prairie. I get the phone call, 1, 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Dad, can you come pick me up? On my way. Okay? That's our loving Father. That's who we have. That's what we serve. Is it easy? Absolutely not. I want to think I'm mature. I want to think I'm grown up. But I have to remind myself of who I am. I'm his child. As soon as I start thinking I'm more than what I am, I start worrying, stewing and fretting, wondering what's all going on. And I, I do one of those NCIS things. You know, slap yourself in the back of the head and say, come on, you're a child. Why worry? God's there for you. So there are many other examples of an orphan and a son mentality that you can have. I'm not trying to criticize anybody. I'm there. I've done that. Do that. I'm working on it. I'm just showing you what I've done. Now you may be asking why. I told God years ago, I will never preach anything that I do not know firsthand, that I do not know works. And if I, I told him, if it doesn't work, I'm going to preach it too. But everything I found in his Bible works so far. I used to believe that this was just a good information book. Growing up in the church, great history book. Daniel, David, yes, great for those guys. But I have come to realize that this, God wants his best for us. God wants to promote us. God wants, has our good in mind. And as we understand this, we get to receive it. But... We have to do things his way, not ours. Okay? So remember, we've been given that spirit of adoption. But we have to enforce it. The adoption spirit still wants to come back. still wants us to make, make us think that we have to figure things out for ourselves. Do this. Do that. You stubbed your toe. You said the wrong word. Oh, God's mad at you for a week and a half. No, he's not. Repent, and we just come back to him. Okay? John 1, uh, 12, in the New King James. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right. Okay? Let's just stop right there. To them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name. He gave you. He gave me. He gave us. The right. 
As a child of God, you have that right to call on his name. You have that right to call on him, to believe him. As your dad, as your father. We have been given, we've been given the right to become children of God. John 15, 15. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all things that I heard from my father I have made known to you. Can you feel the heart of the father in these? Are you starting to get an idea of how much God wants that personal relationship with you, with us, being called a child? There's nothing more heartbreaking for a parent than when their child doesn't want to do anything with them. The child is growing up and the child doesn't want to be around mom and dad. Or the child doesn't want to pay attention. But we've been called friends. We've been taken out of that spirit of slavery and servanthood. Colossians 1, 12 to 14. In the Amplified Version. giving thanks to the Father who has qualified and made us fit. Okay? Let's just stop there. How many of us, don't put your hands up, feel you're unqualified? Feel you're unfit? Feel you don't qual- you're not worthy? He just said, giving thanks to the Father who? Our dad. Who has qualified us? And made us fit to share the portion, which is the inheritance of the saints. God's holy people in the light. The Father has delivered and drawn us to himself. Out of the control and the dominion of darkness. And and has transferred us into the kingdom of his son. Of his love. See the positional change? Okay. In whom we've been redeemed, in whom we have our redemption through his blood, which means the forgiveness of our sins. That's huge right there for all of us. We want to hang on to the, to the sins that we have. That's the orphan mentality. We sinned. We made a mistake. Oh, we want to hang on to it. We want to punish ourselves. And yet, he's he's forgiven our sins. He's redeemed us and forgiven us. We need to step into that. We need to step into that process and just allow him to transform our lives. So what does this have to do with promotion? I believe pretty well everything. If we don't understand who we are, we can't receive who we are. We can't receive from God. We need to see ourselves as God sees us through the blood of Jesus. Not through our own eyes. Not through our own failings, our shortcomings, our problems. We all have issues. 
right? Or am I the only one with issues? <laughs> I hope not. If, if I am, uh, Wayne, you want to come up and uh, <laughs> I need to be sitting down. The second point, second thing that we need to understand to accept our positional in this uh, perspective is that in spite of our preconceived faults, we're loved. I, I know for many of us, it's hard to love or feel loved when we're judging ourselves by the way we handle situations. With the way we handle strife or turmoil, somebody comes up and does something nasty to me, my first thought out of my, in my head is not to give him a hug. Okay? That's not my first thought. It's a little bit down the list there. But I'm looking at him through my eyes, not through the eyes of God. But also when we do something wrong, we're the hardest on ourselves. We're judging God's love for us through our own ability to love. To love others and to love ourselves. Oh man, I wish I wouldn't have said that. Oh man, I wish I wouldn't have done that. And the enemy keeps bringing these thoughts up, keeps bringing these up, trying to trip us up, trying to get us down. I'll be honest with you, prepping this message here the last couple of days, I had thoughts going back to my uh, high school days of things I did where the enemy was trying to bring me down. Why? To stop the word of God, to stop from preaching. Okay? John 17, 20 to 23, New King James. This one here, I want you to hear the God. Or hear the God. Hear the heart. Okay? Hear the heart of God. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through the word. Let's just pause there for a moment. Okay? So who's he praying for? For us. Okay? So in this scripture here, make sure you're paying attention. This is for us today. Because all of us here, we believe through their word. Through this word. All of us. Okay? That they may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you. What's the heart of the Father? What's the heart of Jesus? That we're one. That we're intimate with him. That's his heart. I had nothing to do with writing this book. I had nothing to do with publishing this book. This is the heart of the Father towards us. That they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you've sent me. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one. Hear the heart of the Father, hear the heart of Jesus, that oneness, that closeness, that relationship, that intimacy that he's wanting, that desire that he's wanting to be close to us. He's wanting to help us. I and them and you and me, that they may be made perfect in one. And that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them 
get this now, get this now, that you have loved them as much as you love me. Wow. That's Jesus speaking. Okay? That's Jesus saying, you know, Father, let them know how much they're loved. Let them know, no matter what they've done, I don't care what they've done, they are loved. You love them. Let them know that. Let them understand that. So when the enemy comes and attacks, what do you do? You say, no, I'm loved. I'm loved. When that shame and that guilt and that condemnation comes, I'm loved. I'm loved. I'm loved. I'm adopted. I'm a child. I'm loved. Amen. We're all, right? The spirit of adoption. Okay? Romans 8, 1. Now, I will admit, when I was doing this, I've got a lot of scriptures here. I do. And as I was doing my daily devotions, there's another one. Oh, hey, there's another one I could put in. Oh, another one. And another one. Another one. And pretty soon I realized, you know, I could be reading the whole Bible here and we could be here until next week just to explain how much God loves us and, and the revelation of his love for us and who he is and the freedom that that brings when we understand his love. But Romans 8, verse 1 There is therefore now no condemnation. Who? To those who are in Christ Jesus. Okay? Who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. What does that mean? Tell you right now, if there's any condemnation going on in in your life, in your thinking pattern, it's not God. It's not God. Recognize your enemy. Recognize who's doing it and tell him where to go. Tell him to go back to the pit where he belongs. He doesn't belong in your head. He doesn't need that control. Don't give him it. Don't let him understand it. So what's the, condi- what's the difference between condemnation and conviction? I've had this question asked me. Condemnation brings guilt and shame. Conviction will give you an answer. Okay? Satan will never give you an answer to your problem. He'll just tell you the problem and let you wallow in the mess and the mess and the mess and you keep thinking about it and your mess gets darker and darker and deeper and deeper. God will come along and he'll convict you of doing something. Go and apologize to this person. Because you messed up. Okay? Go and do this because. Or do this next time. You'll always have an answer. And if you've been living under the, the condemnation spirit, ask God to change that. Ask God to just start giving me the conviction of what to do and what to do next. <laughs> Satan has been lying to his people. He's been very good at lying to his people, saying God is the one that's condemning. God punishes. God is doing this and God is doing that. 
And we've bought the lie. God is not the one condemning. He just said he doesn't condemn. He cannot go back on his word, otherwise he has to uh, dissolve. That's the cool part about God. He cannot lie. He's not man. And if he were to lie, everything would just blow up because it'd be impossible. Impossible. But Satan's will, Satan will throw all kinds of distractions at you. He'll throw the accusations. He'll do whatever he can. Okay? Romans 8, verse 35. Now in the Amplified Version, who shall ever separate us from Christ's love? Okay, let's just stop right there. So what's the focus on this passage? Christ's love. Okay? Who can separate us from it? Then he goes on to list a couple things. Shall suffering and affliction and tribulation or calamity and distress, persecution or hunger, or destitution or peril or sword. Now granted, I don't want any of those. So why should I accept them as, well, God gave this to me. God do this. God's doing this to teach me a lesson. And if I'm stepping on some toes, put them underneath the chair, please. Shall suffering, affliction, and tribulation separate us from the love of Christ? No. So who's bringing the suffering, the tribulation, the affliction? Our enemy. Calamity or distress. Psalms 91 says, no calamity will plague your house. will come near your house. Persecution or hunger. Or destitution or peril or sword. All those are from the enemy. And what's the purpose? Trying to stop us from receiving the love of Jesus. Trying to stop us from acknowledging that love and drawing into that love. Pressing in. Pressing into that love. So Satan will throw you all kinds of distractions. Don't be surprised. Don't think it's abnormal. And you might be thinking, well, yeah, pastor, that's good for you to understand or you say, but... You don't know what I'm going through. Like I said before, if Satan can get the pastor disrupted, depressed, not believe in the word, then the pastor is going to preach a milk-down version or a watered-down version of the word. If the pastor doesn't believe this to be 100% the truth, he's not going to preach the 100% of the truth. He's not going to believe it. Then you're going to have a watered-down version of the word coming. And when the watered-down version of the word comes to you, then you're going to believe less of that than what you need to. Okay? This is the word of God. All of this is the truth. Even the dots, even the periods are the truth, and they're needed. But Satan is trying to stop us from living this truth and walking in it. So remember, you're adopted. Did you know Jesus died on the cross so he could adopt you? 
when we give our life to the Lord. He died so we could be adopted. Now, I've talked to other, fa- other people that have uh, adopted. And my brother and his wife have adopted a number of kids. And every time I talk to them, they've always paid the price for that child to come. They've always made the sacrifice to be able to receive that child into their life. And they love it like their own. Because they paid the price. Jesus paid the price to adopt us. We've got to receive that adoption. We've got to receive that love. So you're loved unconditionally. Does that give us the right to sin? No. I want to make this point here right clear. We are loved unconditionally. We don't sin because we live under grace. We don't sin because we want to please the one who paid it all. We want to transform our lives. We want to transform and renew our thinking and renew our lives because of the one who paid it all. That's why, out of love. So the number one point that I want to bring up that we have to do Now, I have no idea how to pronounce this word, but the English one is God of loving kindness. Anybody understands that? I think the last one's Hesed. But God of loving kindness. Okay? That's one of his names. That's one of the names you find in the Bible. He's the God of loving kindness. Now, I know many people myself included, were brought up that he's the God of whack-a-mole. You know, beat you over the head. You do something wrong, you know, and he's just waiting with that rubber mallet. You know, he wakes up in the morning, or I wake up in the morning, and God's looking down, all right, you know, let me hit him over his head. And God of loving kindness. So, Psalms 36, 7. It's just... Find a couple passages here. It's easy to say God of loving kindness. But you need passages. You need scripture to, uh, to back it up. Okay? How precious is your loving kindness, O God. Therefore the children of men will put their trust under the shadow of your wing. I'm waiting. No. Okay. <laughs> How precious is your loving kindness? His loving kindness is precious. He is precious. The children, that's us, okay? Put their trust under the shadow of your wing. When we put our trust in him, his loving kindness is precious. Psalm 17, 7. Show your marvelous loving kindness by your right hand. O you who save those who trust in you from those who rise up against them. Your marvelous loving kindness by your right hand. His marvelous loving kindness. Shown towards his kids. But the right hand. But by his right hand. His kids are saved from those who rise up against him. 
In other words, when the enemy comes and attacks you, when the enemy is saying you're not good enough, you're not loved, you're not worthy, fall back on his loving kindness and say, yes, I am, because of what you've done. Psalm 63.3. Because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise you. His loving kindness towards us is better than life when we receive it, when we understand how much he loves us, how much he adores us. Grasp the picture of what he wants. Feel his heart. Do you see his heart in these scriptures? How much he wants a relationship with us, not a religion. He is not interested in religion. He came to take the religion away. But he wants that relationship with us. Isaiah 54.10 in the New American Standard. For the mountains may be removed and the hills may shake, but... My, mount, my uh, loving kindness will not be move, removed from you. Okay. I'm not sure if we have the NASB or not. That's okay. For the mountains may be, may be removed and the hills may shake. So in other words, there's chaos going around you. Life is not an easy journey. There's a couple of valleys, a couple of hills, a little bit of shaking going on, a little bit of strife, a little bit of turmoil and tumult. It says, my loving kindness will not be removed from you. And my covenant of peace will not be shaken. Says the Lord who has compassion on you. Covenant of peace. We spoke about his peace today. We spoke about that peace that we get only from him when we're going through. But we can't be an adult. We do what he tells us to do, but we have the perspective that we are his child. And he gives us the peace. So not only is he the God of loving kindness, he's also the God that gives us the covenant of peace. And in this turmoil world, in everything that's going on, I know I need the peace. It's very easy to get distracted and, and caught up in everything that's going on. But that peace is what we're after. We are loved in spite of ourselves. And because we are loved, then we want to please our Father, who is love. We are his children, and we've been adopted into his family. So, we've got to realize, okay, God is love. His loving kindness is shown towards us. Therefore, we are loved. And therefore, we've been taken out from a, uh, being an orphan and brought into childhood, brought into the children, brought into the family. That's what I want to say. Brought into the family. And you're saying, what has this got to do with promotion? Glad you asked. Glad you asked. Remember Romans 8.35, tribulations are coming. 
distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword. They may all come. That's okay. These come, why? To stop us from following God and fulfilling his calling in our lives. This is where we get to the promotion side. Romans 11.29 in the Passion Translation. And when God chooses someone and graciously imparts gifts to him, they are never rescinded. He is the one that imparts the gifts into us, and he does not take them back. I have found, I'm going to speak for myself, it's awfully nice to get promoted on somebody else's gift. I'm going to, I never told him I was going to, but I'm going to pick on Chris today. Okay? I love watching you on the drum. I do. Okay? I often visualize myself being able to play drums. I cannot even clap without keeping my eyes open to keep in tune with somebody, or in time with somebody else. Okay? That is not my gift, not my calling. I have had it, actually, I mean, you guys in the balcony, I'm going to tell on myself here, because you'll get to see it. If I close my eyes and I'm clapping, I will miss my hands. Okay? I have to open my eyes up to find someone else that's clapping or doing something to get back in time with them. Guilty. That is not my gift. I was talking to, to a fellow here years ago about his uh, drumming ability. And he said, oh, it's easy. You just have to tap your feet and, you know, tap your hands. I said, no, it's not easy. I can't do either without watching somebody do it. I will never be promoted in his gifting and his calling. But he is. Okay? What I have found is we've tried to promote ourselves in someone else's gifting and someone else's calling because we don't value what God has placed on us. Okay? We don't understand the gift and the calling that we are, so therefore we put ourselves down. Therefore we say, well, I'm not important because... I don't do this, or because I don't do that. When God chooses someone and graciously imparts gifts to him, they are never rescinded. In the Amplified Version, and that's Romans 11.29, in the Amplified For God's gift and his call are irrevocable. He never withdraws them once they are given. And he does not change his mind about those to whom he gives his grace or to whom he sends his call. You are important. You're valuable. You're precious. Amen. Now I'm going to do something I probably shouldn't. You can pray for my wife when you understand a little bit more of who I am. We all know that our fingerprints are all unique, right? No matter if you're a twin or not, your fingerprints are unique, okay? So I'm going to ask for a little interaction, a little involvement here. Stick your thumb up, okay? Look at your thumb. And say, 
I am somebody. <laughs> you are somebody. Whenever you look at your thumb, you'll never think the same again. Well, yeah. I am somebody. Yes. Okay. God gave you a special gifting and a special calling on your life that needs to be shared. Don't judge yourself by what someone else can do. Don't judge yourself by what you perceive someone else can do or how you perceive their life is. We're all going through issues. We're all going through life. Focus on God, the one who gets us through. So, Romans 8, 37 uh, in the Amplified. And amid all these things, now if you remember going back to Romans 8, 35, the tribulations and whatnot, yet amid all these things, we are more than conquerors, and gain a surprising or surpassing victory through who? Through him who loved us. How can we be more than conquerors? Through his love for us. In spite of how we see ourselves, his love shines through. His love is for us and not against us. Issues in life do happen. That's okay. God's love will get us through. God has made a way for us to rise above our circumstances. Why? If you need more information, Ephesians 2. This one here, I have quoted over my life for many years now. For we are God's own handiwork, his workmanship. He went into the workshop for us. He didn't tell one of his angels to come on down and do his little thing. No. We are God's own handiwork, his workmanship. Recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew, that we may do those good works which God predestined, planned beforehand. Okay? He planned for each and every one of us to do some good works. Planned beforehand for us, taking paths which he prepared ahead of time, that we should walk in them, live in the good life, which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. How do you get promoted? You walk in your own calling. You realize that your calling is special. It's important. It's needed. And you are not somebody else. Don't walk in my calling. Don't walk in Wayne's calling. Don't try and be in Wes's calling. Walk in your calling, because God made you that way. Why? For a special purpose, so you can live the good life. It's a miserable life if, I'll, if all I do is ever try and be somebody else. If today I'm trying to be Wayne, and tomorrow I'm trying to be Wes, and after that I'm trying to be somebody else, I never walk in my own calling. If I judge myself against other pastors, against other preachers, I would never be up here. 
but I've got my own calling. I realize I am somebody. God has given me a gift. I may not recognize it. I may not understand exactly what it all is, but God's given me that gift. And he's given each and every one of us here a gift. So we don't look down on somebody because they're not the same as us. We look up to them and say, what's your gift? What have you got? Because what you got, I need. Okay? So what do you do when Satan attacks you? You fall back onto the basics. God is love. Now, I will be honest with you. There are many days just driving along and out of the spirit of my heart. I've been doing this for a long time now. Just out of my spirit. I said, God, you're good. God, you are really good. Is it easy? No, it took me time. It took commitment. But nothing in life is easy. If it was easy, everybody would be doing it. And we'd have a full house. But it's not easy. But it's worthwhile. We want to live that victorious life. Okay? And remember, Jesus went to the cross to adopt us into his family. That's how precious and important he thinks you are. That's the value that he placed on you for him to do it. How we see him, the worship team can come on up, please. How we see him, how we see ourselves, and how we see ourselves allows God to promote us. He promotes us in our giftings and our callings, but he also promotes us above our circumstances. I've come to believe, I've come to realize that when I was not walking in the full gifting and calling that God had on me, my circumstances overcame me quite regularly. But when I stepped into his gifting and his calling, there was a grace that came on that we're able to walk in more victories because we're being obedient to his calling in our lives. Our loving Father wants us to be winners in life. There is no father on earth that wants his child to fail. We all want our kids to succeed. And so does our father in heaven. So what do we do? We believe that God is a loving father. We confess his love over our lives, that he is good. We put our trust in him because he is good, because he is love, and his love is shown towards us. We can put our trust into him knowing that he has our backs, knowing that he looks after us. We know that we are loved because we have a loving Father, that despite of what we perceive as failures and shortcomings, he loves us anyway, and he understands that. And then we accept that we've been bought, we've been paid for, and we are family. We're joint heirs with Christ. We're not sub-heirs, we're joint heirs with him. And as joint heirs, we can boldly come into the throne of grace and talk to our Father every day, all day. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your love for us, your commitment 
to lead us and to guide us. And Father, as we go forth, may we press more into your love. And may you, Father, show your love more towards us in a new, tangible way that we get deeper revelation of who you are and who we are. Why? So then we can take your love to the world and we can show the world that's hurting, show them your love and invite them into the family as well. It all comes back to your love through us to the lost to show you their love, your love. I thank you and I praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to this message from Victory Church Grand Prairie. You can stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by using at VictoryChurchGP. If you have any questions, would like to access our online resources, or would like to sow into this ministry, you can visit us at www.VictoryGP.com. You can also text to give. Just text 587-207-4387 and follow the prompting. Thanks again for joining us at Victory GP. Reach. Teach. Mobilize.